Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Happy holidays from the BWI Daily Edition. Merry Christmas. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, talking about a bunch of interesting things today, as we always do in the BWI Daily Edition. Nate Bauer here to share some of those thoughts because a lot of this coming for when he asked James Franklin on Friday about uh, an interesting topic and then what to expect, what to look for in the bowl game. That's what we're going to talk about today on the Daily Edition. So, Nate, happy holidays. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm cold. My house is cold. I need to turn the heat up. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, some technical difficulties today make me want to throw stuff, and I have a free USB camera sitting on top of my very expensive camera I bought for the show. So uh, you know, you know how it is. You just got to roll with it. But uh, I know how it is. <laughs> I'm familiar. Uh, so that's why if the show looks a little bit different today. But what's most important is that we're bringing you the information you want to know about Penn State football. And Nate, you asked a really interesting question to, of James Franklin on Friday, which is now an article at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up for just $1 holiday season. It's the season of giving. Uh, we are in the week of Christmas. So Christmas presents, stocking stuffers, $1. $1. Buy it. For yeah. a dollar. It's yeah. fine. I, no. I, for the price of the stupid camera I'm using, and I'm not going to let it go because I'm really annoyed by it, I could it's have fine. like... 20 subscriptions because it's a $20 yeah. camera and hand them out to all of your friends. That's all that we're asking. No yes. Big deal. So um, what did you ask James Franklin? 
Yeah, no, so, so, and trust me, I mean, it was really only because it was the first time that we had an opportunity to talk to him really since the last game of the season for Penn State at Michigan State. There was an article, and we've, we've talked about it here, there was an article in the Philadelphia Inquirer where they talked to um, Villanova's linebacker, Forrest Ryan. And, uh, you know, it was kind of this wide ranging story and kind of two thirds of the way through the story was this little segment about how much preparation he does for games. And I'm already boring myself with this story, but (laughs) (laughs) he was he was saying that uh, he had never had a game like Penn State where they hit on 100 percent of tells basically they they had one specific thing that they were looking for as a defense that would allow them to know whether the play was going to be a run or a pass and he was you know the quote is something to the effect of sometimes it's 20 percent, sometimes it's 50 percent. occasionally it's high at 70 percent. this was crazy it was a hundred percent and so i i asked franklin it was just like hey you know did you see this in this specific game? And was that something that turned out to be a theme through the course of the season? There's always stuff, right? There's like, you can't, you cannot hide or disguise everything that you're doing all of the time, but the way that it read in the story and the way that, that Forrest made it sound was that this was atypical. This was, this was more than he had seen previously. Yeah. And so, and so Franklin's response was effectively no, right? Like, <laughs> no, there weren't tells through the course of the season. There were in that game. They had a dialogue with Villanova's coaching staff. That's one of the benefits of a game like that, where you have a familiarity with the staff, is you can trade notes after yeah. the game, right? Yep. You, you've already played each other at that point. You, you don't You're not have trying any... to play for the same championship either. Like I think that's important too. Is there's 100%. you you can be a little more open with those players. Exactly, and and specifically the coaching staff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Franklin Franklin acknowledged that 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 this existed in that Villanova game. That Villanova's coaching staff had you know brought their uh, attention to it, and that it had been rectified. But his other his the the. the breadth of the answer was effectively hey this happens all the time this is something that is that is common in the game of football you you will always have things about your technique based on run or pass that give it away more or less right yeah yeah well this this is a classic thing in football i remember the first time i i i heard about it is like you you look at the knuckles of the guy in front of you, and if his knuckles are white here, it means his weight is forward and it's a run play. And if it's not, it means it's a pass play because his his center of gravity is backwards. I learned that in high school, and that's like an easy tell. So this is yeah. the advanced version of that. It 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 always brings stuff to light for me in in the sense of I have no idea. I, you know what I mean? I, I played high school football for two seasons and got my butt kicked <laughs> during, during that time. So the the intricacies of what happens at this level, to me, it was more of an educational, you know, thing to ask, right? Like, yeah. how, how often does this happen? Is this something that is that can actually have an impact on performance? Because as we know, 
Penn State's running game had it struggled all season. They, yeah. they were right, but but that game in particular stood out because they had had so much other success offensively. They had 400 plus yards of offense in that game. They were able to move the ball up and down the field, but they only had 80 yards or something in that ballpark rushing on yep. 30, 40 carries. It also so, goes to show you that like you unless you're so physically superior to another player, if the playing field isn't even and the other team knows what you're about to do, anyone can shut you down. And yep. and that was a good Villanova front, but you're right. That was an exceptional performance by those players. Yeah. And, a, and, a, and, a, and I, I went back to look just to see, because I knew going into that game that, that Villanova had had success with that defensive front, but they finished top 15 in FCS for rushing defense this yeah. season. It it wasn't it wasn't an anomaly that Villanova had a tough front. It was just an anomaly in the sense that Penn State otherwise had done pretty much what it wanted to do offensively in that game, yeah. but it couldn't effectively run the ball and if you're if you're looking at the broader picture, you can probably point to that and say, okay, well, this was an element in that game. This was one of the contributing factors that prevented Penn State from having the success it wanted to have rushing the ball. So then, it, my my kind of thought then goes to, well, it's not like this tell just showed up one week. So is that? I think the first four games, you can kind of put that light on this particular topic in this conversation, going back to Wisconsin, where Wisconsin was hyper-aggressive and was able to absolutely shut down Penn State's running game, especially in the first half. Is yeah. that, a f to me, the, the question, is that fair? Because to your point, no for the full season, but the first four games seem like they're fair game to me until you get this information from an opposing coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, I I have not had the time to go back to go back and look for it. I think you uh, have maybe strongly hinted that that you saw something that yeah. seemed miss in that in that Villanova game. I don't know if you want to share it here in this forum or not. But well, I I so I. I found that I had 99% sure I know what it is going back and watching the film. Um, I have not been able to, just because of all the things going on, go back and look at the first four games necessarily. But if, you're, if your offensive lineman has a different stance for a run play and a pass play and it's noticeable, there it is. That's the answer. Like, if your foot is a full... Foot length, not like a, a measurable foot, but like if your foot is one foot's length forward or back and your hips are completely different, that's an obvious tell for your for the defense. And that affects every lineman. And now I kind of have to reevaluate in my mind how some players played in certain schemes because if you know exactly what's coming on a, on a zone play, there's all kinds of room to knife in the backfield especially for guys on the other side, on the back side of run formations. So, yeah. And one, well, and you're not, you're not defending half of the game. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like, I mean, if, if it, Mike Yersich talked about on Friday as an offensive coordinator, that you're constantly trying to break tendencies that this is what you do in this situation. And you're trying not to fall into 
an obvious pattern of, okay, first down, run, first down, run, second down, right, whatever, whatever right. it is. Um, right. There was a lot of first to- down runs, though, if he was trying not to do that. Well, so, but, but if, if, if that's the case, right, third and short, third and a yard, short yardage, everybody knows that you're going to run, right? Yeah. As it is. But if it's second and six, yep. And you're entirely predictable, right? Like, yep. It, because, well, that's because, where it is. Because you're not, you're not predicting anymore. You're looking at something that's telling you, oh, this is what the play is. Yep. This so is, this is what it's going to be. Everyone knows in third and nine what you're going to do for the most part. Everyone knows in uh, in in third and fifteen or or any of those. I would say even in second and fifteen, like if you have a false start or something like that, there's a good chance you're going to throw the football. But you're right; those those plays in between, especially on second down and the efficiency downs. That's where you have to be unpredictable. And uh, if you want to know, by the way, if you want to know who it was, this is another great reason, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Go into uh, the Lion's Den. If you are a premium member, you've signed up for On3, and you can go see uh, on Nate's article, I gave you the answer of who it was and how it affected the game. So definitely go check it out. Um, that, that does change how you, how you attack players. Now in that particular game, to your point, Penn State was bigger, faster, and stronger. So when they threw the ball, they could do whatever they want. But in the run game, that's where you can equalize things. So, uh, is that something, is this a referendum on the coaching staff that they didn't notice that going into the fourth game of the season? Maybe. I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, you tell me. I I, I think I think that there's th- that the answer is probably somewhere in between this great damning indictment of oh my gosh, how do you not know? How how is this possible to to have something like this go through when the reality is that's what they're living in the football building to do every yeah. week. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's, is, is that not what film study is? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, if you're, if you're watching endless loops of your opponent trying to figure out the smallest detail, I mean, they, the, people talk about that with receivers all the time, right? Yep. Receivers and defensive backs is just how, what are the things that they do that distinguish uh, the type of route that it's going to be? Yep. Right. Like, and, and yep. so as, as the player themselves, you're trying to reduce that as much as you possibly can. That's yeah. that's what every rep is about. And, and that's why they talk about every rep being important in practice. Yep. That's what Jahan Dotson is obsessive about. Like the guys who get into that so deeply that they can represent the same thing every time that they line up. However, for the guys who can't, for the guys who are not paying attention to those details, and are representing something that they might not want to represent. Other, you can figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you can figure it out. So, I mean, I, I, I do think that it's an it's an interesting part of the game. Is if you can figure out what the other guy is doing, when they're doing it, how they're doing it before the, the snap, you, you give yourself a, a pretty big advantage um, in terms of being able to to defend that play. And that it's also on the player. And this is always the conversation of, is it on the coach or is it on the player? And it's always either or. 
if you're a player, you mentioned Jahan Dotson, if you're a player that's serious about your craft and you want to be excellent, you want to be great, you're watching that. You're going yep. and you're looking for those things. If you're not, it's a blind spot. The, another another interesting thing that I think is playing into this is that uh, we I mentioned the Wisconsin game to start the season. You're not starting with Villanova like you normally would. So starting with a Big Ten opponent, you don't have time to debrief in the preseason like you would, so that information might only get to you in week four. Apparently, Ball State didn't have the same information, or if they did, they declined to share it with the Nittany Lions after the game, because that would be the only other time where you're facing an opponent of the typical variety in the, in the preseason, in the preseason, in order to get that information and get those kinks worked out. And that's another point of James Franklin's of starting the way you did is insane to try and have success long-term. So it's just another interesting wrinkle in all of that stuff. But uh, I, I, I kind of look at it as the coaching staff should probably know. Yes, you should probably be looking at that. But if the player is has the pride about them of those things, it wouldn't show up that drastically. Right. So. Right. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's 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 certainly something that you have to wonder whether or not a player thinks that it doesn't matter because their own performance individually can overcome that. Right. Versus, you know what I mean? Because you're only thinking about it in, in the context of what the impact is on you right. without being able to realize what the impact might be on the rest of the team yeah. in, in a circumstance like that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're running backs, the other linemen who have to block, and every if the whole defense knows what it is, you're right, it's not just you, it's everyone of, around you. And maybe that's a good lesson on empathy for our holidays. Speaking of the holidays, it's a good lesson on empathy right there. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love empathy. So, looking ahead to the bowl game, Interesting things that you noticed at practice of where people were lining up and how, uh, you know, absences were affecting the first week of practice or the first day of practice for the bowl game. I want to look at players that we're interested in seeing during the 2022 Outback Bowl. So I have a list of players. Do you want to get a list of players? Do you have a list of players ready or do you want to just you want me to lead and we talk about them uh, individually as we go? You know what? We can volley a little bit because okay. I, I have some that I'm certainly interested in. I I, I don't have a, a written down list, but I've been winging it on tests for my whole life. So <laughs> we can we can do it live, man. I okay. have no problem with that. Perfect. So the first guy I want to bring up, and I think this is the most interesting name that you got for us during uh, the practice on uh, Friday, and for whatever the information is worth as far as if that is the case for the whole practice or what we saw, yeah. Olafashunu was taking snaps at left tackle according to your reporting, and I find that very interesting. 
I find this fascinating for a number of reasons. Uh, the first is that we have not seen him at any point this year, and yet he is the number one player along the offensive line that Rasheed Walker, Caden Wallace, and James Franklin have talked about consistently all season long as being an impressive football player. So yep. uh, what did you first off, what were your observations of practice, and are you as intrigued by this as I am? Yeah, so, I, I mean... The, the first of all, it's it was the they've been practicing through December, and this was the one that they specified as being the first that would really revolve around Arkansas. And so yeah. you, you have to think that maybe some of the trial and error things that they might be willing to do uh, the first two weeks of December had started to transition into more of a this is the actual game. This is what the approach will be for the game. Um, but now, in addition to him, you saw Eric Wilson at left guard, which is pretty standard at this yeah. point, obviously. But Juice Scruggs was the center. Mike Miranda at right guard. And then Caden Wallace at right tackle. So clearly, they, they went into this month, one, anticipating maybe that Rashid Walker would not be available for this game for right? whatever reason. He was not available for the final two for whatever reason. So Correct. makes sense. Correct. And so, so there's, there's that. And then also, you know, um, I think as the season had gone along, uh, Mike Miranda's efficacy there at center had yep. started to wane a little bit. And so they started to play around with Scruggs there at center. And so you, you Long story short, you're probably going to look at a, a, a new look, a different look offensive line for a variety of reasons and in a variety of, of spots, including that left tackle spot. That So the left tackle spot with Fashunu going into the Michigan State game where you might have expected to see him, um, but we didn't see him during practice, I don't think. He must have been one of the players that was dealing with the virus because... You hear about him all season long, and then all we saw was Landon Tangwall for the last two weeks. Right. And yet, James Franklin and and several other people have talked about Landon Tangwall in every other sense, except for at that left tackle position. Franklin keeps bringing up the idea of Landon Tangwall being able to play anywhere along the line. So that's why I'm so interested in uh, Olufa Fashunu. Is it Fashunu or Fashanu? I've heard it both I think ways. I think it's Fashanu. Okay. I think it's Fashanu. But I, 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 I'm so interested to see because this can fix a lot of the problems that Penn State has if they've got a guy on their roster that is an underrated player or a guy that's kind of a dark horse that's going to be developmental. This is what Caden Walsh had to say about him on Friday when I asked. He's just really athletic. And he, can, uh, he can pick certain techniques he wants to work on um, for a day at practice. And he, uh, he can get some pretty good reps in. Some pretty good learning reps, and, and he, he does it every day. It stacks up, so he's starting to develop. Do you think Penn State has their next left tackle? It seems to be that's the indication that it's not going to be Landon Tangwell, who we've seen, but really Olufashanu is the guy that is poised to take over for Rashid Walker. I think that there is a lot of time between now and hot takes September. Hot takes now. <laughs> I know, I know you want, I just, I, I honestly, I, I don't know what they're going to do in the transfer portal. I don't yeah. know what is going to exist in the transfer portal. Certainly 
there have been enough things. I mean, it, these aren't even undertones. These are things spoken about Tangwall and about Fashanu as guys who appear to be with Bryce Effner, the, the three most poised to contribute, right? I mean, we didn't really yeah. see anybody else this year. So, you know, yeah. Are they, are they ready right now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that they're, lack of playing time until the end of the season was accidental. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, I think that they thought that very clearly there was a separation between that top line unit and the players that were behind them. Also, However, you're, you're not going to bench Rashid Walker, who is your most veteran player. And that's the position I'm focusing on specifically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, you know, but look like, even right here, I'm looking at PFF's breakdown of Penn State's tackles. It's really pretty simple. It's Wallace, Efner, and Walker. Like those are yeah. the three guys that played until Walker, you know, obviously fell off there at the end of the year. And then you see two games for Tengwall and three games for Fashanu. So, yeah, is, is there a possibility there? That, you know, whether or not they're trying him there or think that that is what his long-term projection is. I'm not really sure right now, but certainly that's, that's connecting the dots, right? Yeah. Is this is what, this is what the future may look like for Penn state there. And to me, I'm just, I've been, cause coming up later this week, professional tease here. Although when you point it out, it's no longer professional. Um, coming up later this week, I'm taking a deep dive into the offensive line and the offensive line recruiting and how that particular position has been, just kind of a total miss for Penn State football when it comes to recruiting offensive tackles. So yep. to if they if they found one finally, because there has been no heir apparent in recruiting or in any sort of overt way to Rasheed Walker, if this is our first indication of who that is, I think that opens up a lot of things that Penn State football fans should be encouraged by if the offensive uh, personnel is right because the way James Franklin has talked about Landon Tengwall, who is the other guy I'm interested in seeing is where they play him when they have the option of where they want to play him. Here's a nice photo of him here. Um, you know, what is, what is his best position? Where is he actually going to play? Where do they want to play him? And if yeah. it's not in an emergency situation at left tackle, where I think he's a better player either on the right side or in the interior, then you've got two new players to put on the offensive line, which is what they needed all season long. They just, these guys weren't ready yet. So that should indicate what you think the future might be and how you might get these talented players in the best position for them, as we've talked about previously. So that's what I want to see. I want to see them with their best lineup, what they want to do with the future, not what they have to do to get through a game where everyone has the flu or a giant snowstorm. So that's why I'm looking at those guys. Who do you have on your list? Uh, well, but that's, but that's to that point, the Outback Bowl isn't going to be that choice, right? Like the, the, the Outback Bowl isn't picking out, hey, this is what we think the best lineup is. This is, hey, Rasheed Walker is not going to play because he's going to the NFL. Right. But <laughs> right? Like, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying life after Rasheed Walker, like they are now, sure. they are now forced into if Rasheed Walker is opting out and, and I'm kind of getting that feeling myself, but you know, everything TBD. If that yeah. is the case, 
then they will have the most time to prepare. They will have the most time to adjust and adapt to what they want everything to look like versus we have to get through a game without Rashid. Now we have Rashid is not going to be a part of this plan going into it. So right. what's our best opportunity? What's our best idea? And that's what yeah. I'm excited to see is because it is kind of a reset. Yeah, no, it's, it is, it is very much somebody asked the question on Friday, whether or not this is the end of this season or the beginning of next, then it's both. That, yeah. that was James Franklin's answer. And I think certainly that's how you can start to look at this moving forward. Can I, is yes. it my turn? Do yes, I, please. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Malik Mega is, is for me, the guy on, on offense to, I think becomes intriguing. He, he obviously missed the first half of the season due to injury and really sort of had this budding role afterwards. Um, yeah. right. Really since the Illinois, from the Illinois game forward, he started to, to become more and more of a, a piece of the puzzle. And then obviously that picture that you're showing there is from Rutgers where he had a 67, 63 yard touchdown, uh, where he kind of, you know, not, not exactly the, the most thrilling play in terms of, um, you know, making a contested catch, brilliant was, execution in some way, defeating yes. a good scheme instead of, you know. It's there <laughs> being 20, 20 yards behind uh, the safety. Yeah. yeah. So no, but, but look like if uh, again, we're making some assumptions here based on the fact that, um, you know, these guys haven't released statements yet and yeah. we're not reporting anything to the contrary, but I think there's a, a fairly safe assumption that John Dotson probably won't play in this game. And if he doesn't play or even if it's limited, Right. Either yeah. way, you're going to see some opportunities start to open up, uh, you know, for Penn State's receivers. And I think that certainly Penn State would want that anyway. You're you're moving into this next chapter of, yep. of what your receivers room looks like. And that's a unit that for one reason or another, just it it has done a good job through different coaches, through James Franklin's tenure, really, at Penn State. They, they just seem to have a next guy who is ready to, to contribute, who's ready to, to step up. And so, you know, uh, obviously Parker Washington is that guy for next season. Yeah. But that doesn't change the fact that a guy like Malik Mega, who all of the conversation has been really positive, just uh, his demeanor, his personality, the way that he conducts himself – on top of the physical attributes that he brings to the game. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of creates this enticing, explosive, uh, you know, guy that they're optimistic about. So, yeah, can he can he make an impact in a game where Sean Clifford is healthy and can deliver the football? Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... Uh... Not to not to set it up this way, but that's why I think the offensive line is really important to make sure that does happen where you yep. can evaluate these other guys and you can get a better idea of who else you have because you need to have that other guy. James Franklin mentioned of the positions they'd like to target in the portal receiver was one. And that's something I've brought up a couple times of. Yes, they have talent. Yes, Keandre Lambert Smith shows flashes of being very talented and Malik Mega has shown you that he can catch the football and I've been encouraged what I've seen in practice of him but you need more 
And yeah. this is a great opportunity to feel good about next season, feeling like you do have a solid two. So then you're going into the portal hoping to find a complementary receiver. You're not trying to find the guy that is the the Robin to Batman. Now you need Alfred. You're not yep. look you're not looking for Robin. You got you're you're down the list. Maybe you're on I not I don't know. I don't know DC that well, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. The cop, Commissioner Gordon. Thank you, Gordon. That's who I was trying to think of. I, uh, I'm not a fan of that stuff either. <laughs> but. Uh, so are there any other receivers that you think we could see? Do you think we see anything from Liam Clifford or from Harrison Wallace in this situation? Yeah, potentially. Jaden Dotton is a guy who I'm still interested to see. There was a little bit of buzz about him in the preseason. So obviously he kind of went through some... Um, some injuries, some bumps and bruises, that kind of stuff that inhibited his contributions this season. But he's a guy who saw at least once on Friday a pass directed toward. So who knows? Maybe maybe that's something that, that opens up a little bit moving forward as well. Uh, the next guy I want to bring up is a guy that you uh, brought up again in your reporting on Friday is uh, Kobe King was taking some snaps at linebacker uh, alongside uh, the starting unit. And this is something that I wasn't sure if he would get there this year, but he was clearly closing the gap on Tyler Elsden as far as that other box linebacker that can make a difference this year. And I think for Penn State fans, that's encouraging that he has been in that position. Tell us about what you saw from Kobe King and kind of what you're expecting about that particular situation from what you saw. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I had a, a ton of time to watch him, just that he was man in the mic and, okay. you know, had a little bit of an opportunity there with what we expect to be. I don't think he's announced it either, but uh, it doesn't appear as though Ellis Brooks will be available for this game. And, and look, like Ellis Brooks is not a superstar name by any means, but uh, of the guys that were there and are on the field, He's one of them, right? Like, I mean, that, that like that's. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not dim diminishing his impact at all. He he was a very very like you could count on him in yeah. every game this season. And so, if Penn State has to look elsewhere to fill that position, and we all know really how that position is viewed in Penn State's defense as kind of being this critical keystone piece. Yeah, I th I think that the fact that Penn state might turn to Kobe King in this instance, maybe bodes well, right. In yeah. terms of what his progression and his development has been. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that I, we saw in the season in emergency situations when uh, in the Michigan or sorry, the, the Rutgers game was that Jonathan Sutherland Sutherland was really the backup to Curtis Jacobs at the Sam position. That's yep. going to beat. I, <sighs> Arkansas is not Rutgers. That's not going to work very well, um, in my opinion. That's not going to be a situation that works very well. Uh, but that is something that they're going to be facing as far as who they might turn to at that Sam linebacker position. Uh, one thing about these players going to the NFL that I just want to say, just say my piece right here, is that uh, it doesn't matter if you think that Brandon Smith needs to come back and, and get better. Sure. I think you can make a case for that. I've made a case a couple of times that he needs to improve his box coverage or his, his box run def defending ability. But 
if he's gotten the word from NFL scouts that he's a day two pick, he can do that and make several million dollars at the same time and do it professionally. He's going to be a guy that people are pouring time and energy into. So you can do that at college or you can do that at the NFL. And for Ellis Brooks, he's kind of, to me, he's in the uh, same mold as, I always go back to Kevin Givens as a guy that everyone thought should stay. But if you're physically topped out and you feel like you've uh, technically topped out of, I'm a good football player. And Ellis Brooks is a good football player of the guys that are in that gray area of stay or go. To me, he was the one that had the most complete game. He had nothing that he really needed to show on film. So there you go. And now yep. Penn State has to fill both of those positions. And Kobe King is the guy, and that's why I want to see what he can do. Yeah, I, I just to your point, there are limited miles on these legs and these bodies that these guys have. Um, you, you just, it's, it is so infrequent anymore for players to, to have double digit year careers in the NFL. I mean, it, it's hard enough to distinguish yourself in that forum, right? When you're, you're against arguably some of the world's best, best athletes. Yeah. But the, the, the earnings clock is just so short. It just really is so, so very, very short for these guys that if the opportunity is there and you don't feel like you can elevate yourself into to a a number in terms of a contract that is, you know, just demonstrably different, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like get, get, start that earnings clock, start it, get, get into it and get going because you just, you, you don't really know. And you're, you're working for that second contract anyway. So, right. And if you're, if you go in a little bit early, that second contract comes around sooner. So yep. if you can get yep. it, it, and that's the thing is that that's when I first started thinking about that was with Saquon Barkley and the running back situation with these, with these fifth year deals and franchise tags and, I mean, you can be almost 30 by the time you get to your second contract if you're unlucky and you have to stay too long in college. So if you're if you're a high-level player and he is an elite athlete, he was good this year. For whatever Penn State fans feel about him, he was good this year. His coverage was good. He improved in the run game. He did enough to go to the NFL. That's his plan. So, you know, good luck to him. And, and I think yep. that he was... I think that he got a bad rap for some uh, for 2020 that spilled over more than it should have into 2021 with some of the issues up front. Speaking of up front, who are you looking at at that defensive end position? Because this one feels wide open. Yeah, I I don't know honestly. Smith Vilbert. <laughs> yeah, right? uh, I mean it's a fir- it's a place to start. It's one of the names we've heard and one of the players we've seen. Yeah, it just it's just uh, Zariah Fisher. Uh, yeah. You know, and obviously they're, they're they're guys who are doing different things. Jesse Lucetta, um, Nick Tarburton, obviously, but it's just assuming again, Arnold Abacetti probably not available for this game. That's a that's a hole. That's <laughs> that's a massive yep. hole to fill. I mean, he, he his impact this season was undeniable. So yeah, Penn State is gonna gonna have to figure some things out there from probably a guy or two who has not been a frequent contributor this season. Um, look, like I, I think that part of the conversation and what I might be dancing around a little bit here is these are significant players who Penn State is projecting to probably be without in this bowl game. Yeah. And so whether they're ready or not, 
there there is no transfer portal ahead of this game. <laughs> That's a great way to put that. Yeah, there's nobody else coming in. It's who you've got. It you you gotta you gotta shoot what you got. So yeah, we'll we'll see. You know, we'll we will get a much better idea certainly than even the blue white game, right? Like yeah, you, you, there are these moments during the season where you start to get an idea of how guys are coming along, how they're developing, how they're progressing. And one of the things that has become clear to me through the years of, of doing this is that development doesn't happen during the season at nearly the rate that it does from January to August, right? From January to, to September. Um, And so like these guys, a lot of these guys, guys who are scout team players, it, whether or not they're in that too deep or not, scout team players, their role on the team is to present the look of the opponent. Yeah. That's, that is their primary responsibility. And so John Scott's not worried about the technique of the third string, fourth string defensive end. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, like if he can get it on him. its own, if he can absorb that on his own, then great. But really, if you're, if you're focusing on developing the guys that need to play and Penn state, it's not like they had, they had one edge rusher that you could count on that had professional moves. Everyone else yeah. needed work, including one of your best players, Jesse Lucetta, which is why I'm curious to everything you set up perfectly. Cause a guy that we keep hearing about and another guy Caden Wallace talked about as far as who's flashed in the development period so far is Devon Townley. Uh, I really like his film from high school. I like his physical abilities. I like his uh, twitch and his size. And he's gotten bigger, like noticeably bigger in person since the beginning of the season. So I don't know if we'll see him in this game, but he's a name that has come to surface, like we, like you've mentioned, some of the other guys that have been uh, mentioned as far as players that have taken a step during the season in the context you just put there. So that's always the important thing. So I guess it, it is open, but Zariah Fisher, our, our Smith Vilbert, like I've seen enough from these guys on, on the field, on film, that I don't know that I'm going to see anything different from them in the bowl game, other than they'll get more reps. But more reps are good. More reps, yeah. More reps helps you, and it gets you some game experience that you otherwise might not have. So, you know, they're, that's that's what they got to do. It's it's what the, it's what the situation is. So, now I, I, one more that I'd like to add is at safety. Just mm-hmm. just given what. Again, we are making an assumption that Jaquan Brisker probably won't be available for for this game for Penn State. So, what does what does that look like? Right? I mean, is is John Sutherland is he fulfilling linebacker responsibilities, or is he the second guy with Tig Brown back there? Um, or, for instance, uh, Keaton Ellis. Right? Does he become a possibility? He's a guy that we saw out there on Friday in practice uh, in some of those defensive rotations. So. You know, look, Jalen Reed. Um, you've got you've got different players back there who don't necessarily, uh, and this was something that I, I often get wrong, but it's become more and more clear to me that they want these guys to be able to 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 handle the field and the boundary uh, yeah. at safety, 
right? Like they don't, because I think you even asked Terry Smith, right? In terms of on, on uh, signing day about yeah. some of the responsibilities that they, they peg these guys in. And, and I think you can maybe fill in here for me, but I think his answer was something to the effect of, no, we want him to be able to play both. We want him to be able to. Yeah. The, I mean, so in terms of talent acquisition, that's the goal when you, when you're talking about, I think what he was saying was ideally, and that's that's right. kind of me reading between the lines because what he said was, no, we train them to do both. We want them to be able to do both. And then he mentioned in a bowl game against a team like Arkansas that runs up-tempo, you can't get set. Sometimes you have to just go left-right, and you, you have to get the call in. You have to play both. So yep. ideally, you want to have guys that do, one th- do both things. And Jaquan Brisker is the ultimate example of that. But when I talked to Jair Brown, he was saying that one of the areas he got better at this year and that that Brisker helped him with was his run fits and playing better in the box. That means next year, if he steps into that Jaquan Brisker role, because they do differentiate whether they want them to be both or not, and they have to have skills that do everything at safety, you will have a differentiation, a split of responsibilities of more of the deep guy, more of the guy over the top of the box. Uh, So that. I, I think that that's still important when I'm looking at these guys in those situations. I'll just be curious to see what that means for Keaton Ellis because yeah. he specifically talked about run fits and how that was a learning curve for him coming from cornerback, right? Yeah. So, but but when you look at Penn State's safeties and who, who played this season, again, it's Brisker, Shire Brown, John Sutherland, Jalen Reed, and guess what? After that little hiatus at the beginning of the season for unknown or unreported reasons, I should say, it's Keaton Ellis. Yep. He's, he's kind of the fifth guy back there. He needs um, to find really a home. Actually- uh, you know, th- I think that that's what we're talking about here, too, is is he that field safety? Because I don't know that I've seen him... I, I He's got... So the idea I is... I think you- so. <laughs> Honestly, right? I, I yeah. Mean, I, th- I think that's what the plan is anyway, is that they would like him to be able to to fit into that role. Um, so here's, or not he can do it. here's my here's my concern. Uh, and, and, and this is you're a, you're a safety for a reason. You've been moved from corner for a reason. And it wasn't because you're an extremely good man coverage player. So whether it's um, Lamont Wade or it's Keaton Ellis, the reason you've moved there is because there are certain parts about your game that we don't want on the perimeter if you're Penn State's defense. So then those guys get matched up in single coverage anyway because that's part of the field responsibility. So that's where I I struggle with that conversation is, so we'll maybe have different matchups, but I don't think that the slot is easier in any way. So then becomes, do you take that guy and you put him on the boundary over top of the box? Because Keaton Ellis, his best skill is his run defense for a corner. Does that change when now he's in the box all the time? Does he bulk up and become that guy and you leave Tig Brown at that field safety position where I thought he played well this year? I The way those pieces fit to me, that's going to be curious because I, I don't know how you're going to def... I don't know for sure how you're going to manage those factors. We have nine months to talk about it, buddy. We'll, <laughs> I'm just getting we'll warmed figure, up. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. We will We will solve all of these problems by September of next year. I promise. Well, let's, uh, let's get a head start on that. 
We'll be done today, and we'll get uh, to that <laughs> this afternoon, evening. We'll be working all through Christmas. Don't worry. I'll uh, I'll be hard at the sleep. grindstone. Yeah, I don't sleep. I don't celebrate holidays. My kids Just don't know who I am. It's fine. All right, Nate. Uh, once again, thanks for coming on the BWI Daily Edition. Appreciate it. Hey, you got it anytime. Thanks, bud. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube to the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.